You're listening to Sports Biz Podcast, presented by Game Plan U, with your co-hosts Mark Rapo and Rob Thompson. Rob Thompson and Chris Solano with Sports Biz Chat, presented by Game Plan U. How you doing, Chris? Hello, everyone. So let's get right into it. How much do you hate the Red Sox fans? Uh, I don't hate the Red Sox fans in Come a on. sense that their team is walking the walk. They're not just talking the talk. They won the whole thing. All so. right. But it's something about those Boston fans oh, that just well. irritate you. Oh, you said Red Sox fans. Boston fans. I, I had a conversation with someone today about how you go to, you know, a Patriots football game and you still hear Yankees suck. <laughs> and that's like, <laughs> you know. But you do it to say they do the same thing, though. Yeah. yeah. No, I know. It's, um, I don't know. I guess that's kind of flattering, too, if you're the Yankees, right? I mean. Yeah. Everybody hates the team that traditionally wins. So, as a Yankee fan, I, I don't know. I think it's flattering. So, you called it, though. You called it. You called the win. They were the best team. Yeah. By far, in my opinion. And it played out that way. It was almost a sweep, which you brought up, which I thought would never happen. Yeah. Um, but I, if you're the Dodgers, you can't go into a, a seventh inning up four runs in a in a game you need to win and lose it and expect, in my mind, to wheel off three in a row. Against that team, you know, and, and and fight your way back in. It was just, it was a matter of time after that, I thought. The chance will still be going, right? Yeah, listen. Right. I, Every Patriot game, you're still going to hear the Yankees <laughs> suck chance. All year, and it's never going to end. No, no. And I guess, I mean, it's kind of something you, if it did end, I think I would miss it, to be honest with you. Right. I think it's part of the culture now. It is part of the culture. All right, so let's jump around a little bit. Um, I guess a report came out. We're going to switch over to Jackson to NFL. And, uh, you know, they play the annual game. They're going to play multiple games now over in London. They're obviously going to build the fan base over there. I would think the Jaguars at some point are probably going to relocate over there. I don't know if that's a good move or not. I personally don't think so. I, I played over there. I know that there's a lot of passion of fans. It's been there for a long time. Um, but then you got four knuckleheads plus others from the administrative staff were out at a burlesque bar, ran up a $65,000 tab, and decided they didn't want to pay and, and walked out the door. Apparently, the allegedly, um, the word is the head coach said, did not have a curfew on the players, and this is what happens. I mean, if you're the head guy, do you put a curfew, or do you just say you're adults, you're professionals, act like one, go out for dinner, and come home? I think at that level, that's a that's an interesting question, right? I yeah. mean, you, you'd have to put some form of trust in the fact that, you know, it's supposed to be a business trip. Mm-hmm. Um, they're at a level where it's a job. Right. It's a job. You're getting paid, right? Yeah. And paid pretty well. Um, I, honestly, all it does to me is 
really defines why they're three and five and why right. they're not playing well and why people looking at the Jaguars going, what the heck's going on there? Yeah. This is their MO, in my opinion. You just got it, right? In yeah. plain sight now. Mm-hmm. I mean, if it's not important enough for them to, I believe it was Friday night, right? So it was right. when, as soon as they got there. Right. So if that's the first thing we're doing, as soon as we get there, Maybe they're working on building a fan base. Right. <laughs> <When> they, uh, <laughs> One drink at a time. Yeah, when they <laughs> when they do, if and when they try to make the move there. I I got to be honest, Like I, I think it happens. Mm-hmm. I think it happens yep. more often than we know. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm not naive, but I also think that the situation seems like the bill came and everyone kind of said, whoa. You're right. And just said, well, we'll just bail. Right. Um they don't, I don't think they understood pounds. They, maybe they yeah, thought it was like, right, the conversion got them. I, 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 I don't, I don't uh, as, as their head coach, I would be uh, beyond shaking my head. I would just be, the, the problem you have is, too, you're playing with his job right. on the line, mm-hmm. and you're playing with the organization's reputation on the line, mm-hmm. and quite frankly, they're not playing well right, right now. So and you, I guess it's safe to say they're underachieving right now, right? Mm-hmm. Big time. So is anybody shocked that they're three and five? This is what three and five teams do, right? I've never heard, and I hate going back to it. And I hate going back to the same team all the time. But mm-hmm. I'm trying to think, I don't think I've ever heard of a Patriots team doing something like this. No, no. I've never heard. You know, one of those guys. At least that I can remember. Mm-hmm. And most probably because the next morning, I, they're probably still not on the roster. Right. And they know that, mm-hmm. I guess, is the is the key there. Uh, I don't have any answers other than if there was no restrictions set up, then I don't know. Did they break rules? How can you break rules you don't have? Well, getting, getting arrested was a pretty big rule. That That's an issue. Yeah. But right. uh, at the same time, all right, so let's just look at the end result, right? They went there. They didn't play well. Right. They're back here today. Where do you go from here? I, I wouldn't even begin to real, figure out how to handle it if I was Doug Marone um, and, and, and really try to sort out. It's the global issue. It's not this isolated. They went out to a club and ran up a bill and tried to skip. Right. The idea of this whole thing is what are we doing? We have a game against the the Eagles right. in forty eight hours. Right, pivotal game. Yeah, I mean we can. Who knows us? I do. There's a big difference between four and four and three and five in the right. NFL. Absolutely, it could be your season. Yep. So to me, especially the idea that you're just going to skate out of there too mm-hmm. as a normal human being mm-hmm. is absurd. Right. The fact that you're an NFL football player. Right. In a country where there are no other ones. Right. <laughs> and you're just gonna you're gonna leave and right. everything's gonna be okay. Right. And this is a good idea. Let's go out to a burlesque bar in in London. And oh, by the way, the tab comes. How first of all, how much alcohol do you have to consume for sixty five thousand dollars? Well, they said it was high end. Right. <laughs> so, um, I don't know, liquid gold. Mm. What were they drinking? I I don't I don't oh, everything. I mean, I've seen some pretty hefty tabs. In places, yeah, you know, yeah. this one's up there. Sixty-five mm-hmm. grand's a lot of money. Yeah, that's a lot of money for the anybody. The problem you have, I think you said too, it's not isolated to the players. Apparently, there was administrative staff there too, and there had to be more than four people there. You know, they're probably dragging out the equipment guys and the trainers. You yeah. know the deal. You know how that works. Those yeah. guys are all tight. 
They're dragging them out for dinner, and then next thing you know, 65 grand, 4 o'clock in the morning, and then they got the, uh, you know, they got uh, Scotland Yards looking after them. Listen. Stop, or I'll say stop again. <laughs> well, jet lag's a powerful thing. Maybe it takes $65,000 worth of uh, right. They get them back in line to get yourself reacclimated. I don't know. So, <clears throat> Jacksonville Jaguars, it's just that, you know, I think they were the golden child last year. They probably should have won that game. They probably should have been a lot further along than they were. Um, Bortles is, you know, he's not what everybody thought he was. Or maybe, you know, Rex Ryan called him out like a, like we talked about. A lot of turnover there. They probably don't belong in Jacksonville. So, this might be the beginning of just this whole thing unwinding and unraveling. I don't know. You know, but you can't win in the in that league consistent consistently without a quarterback. Mm-mm. I think this weekend you saw two guys. You saw Blake Bortles yeah. and Jameis Winston kind of separate themselves from being considered future franchise players. Yeah. The way I see it. They're not the guys. No. And I think that I think that I watch Jacksonville play and it's the defense is, you know, only as good as your offense in mm-hmm. terms of Creating terrible field position mm-hmm. all the time, mm-hmm. um, not letting those guys catch their breath. Mm-hmm. You know, three and out, three and out, turnover, and plus there's that whole psychological thing. Mm-hmm. You know, you know better than me. You play mm-hmm. college football. You mm-hmm. go out there, you you stop somebody. Mm-hmm. The last thing you want to do, turn around and run back out there because yeah. you turn the ball over right. again, right. or because you know <clears throat> three and out again, right? And then it's like okay, right? Finger pointing starts happening, and, right. and especially at the professional level. I mean, college is definitely one thing where you start. There is a division between offense and defense. It's the beginning of that, sure, and you get used to that. Um, but then on the pro level, I mean, it's, you might as well sometimes be two different, completely different teams, you know. And that That's start fun. happens over and over again. And it's just it's over, if, if, especially if you don't have a strong enough head coach. Yeah, I don't know what the difference. I mean. I think last year things just went their way yeah. a lot more. Mm-hmm. I think the defense was a little bit better. Yeah. And I think people didn't see them coming last year. Mm-hmm. I think that has a lot to do with it. This year I think it's, you know, the Jacksonville Jaguars. You know, we have to – maybe they do pay attention to detail a little bit better when they're scheming. Maybe they do in the week leading up to playing them focus a little bit more. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Like once yeah. you start playing a team that has success mm-hmm. – um, but there's one position that matters. Let's let's be honest. Right. And well, I mean, maybe Jacksonville. Maybe it wasn't just four players. Maybe it was the entire team. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. Maybe, maybe uh, the whole entire team went out. Who it knows? just boggles my mind that uh, it surprised me. That it doesn't. Like again, we know this stuff happens. Mm-hmm. The problem you have is y- y- you by walking out of that place yeah. and deciding, well, we're not paying for this. Yeah. What did you think was going to happen? You know what I mean? Where did you think it was going to go? It's one thing you go out, you do what you do, you pay the bill, you go home, nobody knows. Mm-hmm. Once you walked out of that place, what would you think was... <clears throat> well, obviously drinking that much alcohol, their minds weren't... They weren't thinking correctly. Yeah. Mm. We've all been there. Yeah, well, okay. One way or another... Social media, let's jump over to that because at some point something's going to surface on on these guys being out there in social media. But what's your feelings? I mean, do you have rules in the beginning of the year on how players use social media? Do you have a discussion with them about this? Yeah, yeah, we've done some things in the past where um, we will talk about the right, the wrong. Um, Our department actually does one for all our student-athletes. It's so... 
just prevalent these days. Yeah. And it is the most widely used form of communication, mm-hmm. let's mm-hmm. face it. Mm-hmm. Um, so you can't really, you, you, you can't ignore it. Mm-mm. So you kind of have to embrace it. And then, in my mind, kind of preach the correct way, right. which I think, listen, no, nobody nobody really struggles with blurring the right and wrong thing right? when it comes to social media, in my mind, mm-hmm. you know, or, or, or student-athletes in general, athletes in general. Right. Everybody kind of knows, I probably shouldn't post this, or right. this would be okay. So, I just, the one thing that I kind of talk about, and I know I don't know if people even think about this that much... Don't post with your emotions. Mm-hmm. Don't, um, you know, there's the old cliche one. If you wouldn't, if you wouldn't say it to your grandmother right. or show it to your grandmother, you yeah. shouldn't post it. Right. It's that it's that heat of the moment one that I always find gets, you know, people in trouble. I think it's that reaction to what someone said, or you know, um, in the past couple of years we've seen these knee jerk tweets that go out. Um, from athletes regarding mm-hmm. a topic or regarding what someone said or did, mm-hmm. and I, that's where I think it. That's where I think it really. You can take that dangerous turn, right? Because if it's thought out, mm-hmm. I think it's you know nine times out of ten you, you'll probably be okay. Mm-hmm. But it's that knee jerk one that you know someone said this about me, so watch this, or someone did this. Um, it's our only. It, it's our best. In my opinion, right now, it's our our most used way of mm-hmm. communication. Mm-hmm. So we have to we have to have as student athletes in my program, we have to have some type of guidelines. Um, but I also encourage the use of it too because it promotes our program. That's right, and it pr- promotes our department and it promotes what we're doing. Right. Um, my Twitter account is um, a pretty good snapshot, mm-hmm. I think, of me. I agree. Um, mm-hmm. Not only professionally, I just think. I think that's one of the great things about technology these days. Um, and there's probably both sides to that. You know, I think there's such a thing as overexposure. Yep. <laughs> but I also think that there's a, such a thing as people do get to, you know, ingest a lot of information about each other. And mm-hmm. um, now you get all the bad things that go along with that, too. Mm-hmm. Um, but whether we like it or not, it's here to stay. And it's only going to get more complicated and more detailed and more um, reach more people. Right. Um, so I think having some type of philosophy in place, some type of guidelines in place is crucial. Mm-hmm. But I also think that encouraging it is crucial, too, mm-hmm. because you're not going to get New Haven baseball or, or head coach Chris Solano or, or name any player in our, on our roster. You're not going to get information regarding us, them, or the program any other way these days. It's exactly right. So. And, and, I mean, just from a recruiting tool yep. standpoint, the first thing yep. kids and parents are doing, they're going to jump on and they're going to follow you for a while. Right. They're going to look into what, what you've posted. The one thing I truly believe, and I agree with everything you said, you definitely took the words out, my, out of my mouth, but there's also a science, there's a science behind it, right, and, and an art. And I think if you do the training where they un- truly understand that there's a difference between marketing, advertising, and branding, right? Marketing is is what you want people to perceive you to be, right? Advertising is you want is is your force feeding what you want other people to perceive you to be, right? So marketing is definitely what. Here's what I think. Let me reverse that. Here's what I think I am. Here's the personality that I want to project 
into the digital space. Advertising is what you want other people to think of you. So you're strategically kind of creating a marketing plan based around what that reaction is. Branding is an emotional attachment back to you personally, right. you and your brand. Like that's the emotional attachment. You know, if you're you're a fu- you're a naturally funny, smart guy, your posts reflect that. It's your personality coming out in your social media posts. That's what you're creating. You're creating emotional attachment. Whatever Chris is is posting, I'm I'm gonna re- I'm gonna read because I know it's probably gonna be smart and funny. There's gonna be two things and analytical. There's gonna be something that's gonna be interesting coming out of you. Right? I appreciate that. Well, there is. Yeah. So, and there's platforms now being developed that are out there that are working directly, mostly Division One schools that are saying, listen, you have 500, 600, 800 at student athletes. Let us give you a, a platform and a library of what your graphics and what your branding that the school is approving. So you could do your own personal stuff. But we're also going to give you the upcoming game or whether there's tickets are on sale or whether it's some recap from the game. But it's going to give you real clear, clean, professionally done um, graphics that you could just plug into what you want to say. So not only do you have your own access to it, but you're going to have to your stuff, obviously, but you have stuff you have kind of controlled messaging from the school when you're in season and what that does and i truly believe it from coaches to staff administrators especially players it's going to provide they're on a platform right now right so you have certain kids are going to be in the newspaper are going to be on tv are going to be highlighted in the school website right there's going to be articles written about them that's a huge platform for those kids to reach possible um, future employers whether they're entrepreneur you know entrepreneurial so it's going to be clients so I think it's deeper than just the do's and don'ts and oh here's a ramification if you if you post a picture of yourself down at a you know down Direct. at a bar in New Haven or wherever <laughs> you are there's also that that art behind understanding what all those other things mean between branding and marketing and and um, and advertising and what that does for them 5 years from now 2 years from now um, so I think a little bit more education towards that that part of it that part of it alone, it's okay. Here's what you don't do, knuckle, nitwits. But here's what you can do to raise up your awareness in the marketplace and really create that digital voice for yourself. Yep. Wherever that, whatever that may be. So, um, it, you know, you talk to, you see a lot of old school coaches that make comments like the Oklahoma coach this past, or Oklahoma State this past weekend. We talked about Twitter, and you know, he made some remarks about it. Um, and and from his perspective, is the more that's a platform for media just and fans to bash him and his players. And I agree with him on that. When you're that high visibility of a team, sure. you know, but when people are talking about you, that's a good thing too. Right? Yeah, I agree with that. I that's mean, a good thing. Yeah. Yeah. I, I listen, Reggie Jackson said it best. Fans don't boo nobodies. It's true. And it's a hundred percent true. Yeah. Um, you, if you don't realize by now or pay attention to the power that social media even as far, even in one ball of wax, the digital, you know, age, if you want to call it, right. if you don't realize what type of power that has, yeah. you're really, you're, you're, you're way behind. You're right. I mean, you're way behind. Go, go ask the record industry mm-hmm. how powerful the digital age is. Completely change the industry. There is none. Right. There is none. Yeah. Because be, of it. Right. They have to tour now. They can't rely upon selling records. They got to tour. Yeah. There is no more selling records. There is no more. I mean, basically at this point. You know, you, you can you can do it in your basement. You can do it in your basement. You can get your song 
right on iTunes. Yep. Someone can rip it for a dollar ninety nine. Yep. And making a thirteen, fourteen, fifteen track album is a waste of your time these days. It's all about awareness. Hundred percent. Right. So before to build the build the reputation as a brand, um, you would have to be really good in your hometown. Like right. you got to have a following in your sure. own hometown, right? And, you, and then your region, <laughs> and then your region, and then, and then right. right. You, you, I mean, the Beatles played in strip clubs for how many years before they even became famous? Yeah, you know. I mean, I'm sure they had some Jacksonville Jaguars would have been following. <laughs> yeah, <right. laughs> I guess that's where Hard Day's Night came from. That's right. No pun intended. Yes, it was. So, <clears throat> I, you know, there's this, there's this famous meeting. That um, that was posted for a long time. A lot of people use this example of blockbuster video with the founder and everybody sitting around the table. And th- at that time, they had a, they had an opportunity to buy Netflix, and everybody was saying, "Well, this is the future." And the founder of Blockbuster or the CEO, I don't know if he was a founder or not, but the CEO of the time basically said, "Well, I don't agree with that. I th- still think people want to go down to Blockbuster." And get the popcorn, and cruise the aisles, and look and flip around and read it, and maybe bow, bump into a neighbor. And he was proven wrong. And they were was like, "Well, Heizenga? was that Wayne Heizenga? Was he the owner of Blockbuster at one point? I think so. He was a, I thought he was a at car. At least the CEO. I could be wrong. So you know, he probably it, called the, the uh, CEO of Tower Records. They probably had the same conversation. Right. Exactly. You know, and and, and I think that that is happening today now. So. I agree with what you said. It's not going away. It's making everybody's life a little bit easier. It's making some people's life more miserable because of some things that they that, that they have done. I think any kid right now who is in college has an opportunity to create a business by themselves sitting in their dorm rooms where they did not have it 10 years ago. Yep. They have it right now. Um, they could go and go to garage sales on Saturday mornings and flip baseball cards. Right there's a kid that I met who uh, who called me up. He was a high school student down in Miami, and he was um, he was flipping sneakers, you know. And he just did it online, and he did it on Instagram, and everybody went back to his website, and he was flipping sneakers. He was making twenty, thirty thousand dollars a month doing it, and he's looking at it saying, "Well, what a great side hustle to do." And I and I told him, I said, you know, yeah. He asked me, should I go to college? I'm like, absolutely. Why? Because now if you go to Florida State, you can have thirty thousand potential clients. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Not at your little school in Miami, you know. And he's like, oh, that's a great idea. So, I, I just think it's changing the game. It's the greatest digital um, industrial revolution that we'll see in our lifetime. Um, that leads into esports, where that is going, because I think at one point in the next five years from now, that's going to be probably bigger than all Main Street sports put together. Bigger as a business, you know, maybe not as a cultural fit for us right now, but as a business. And once they figure out how to add gambling into that, then it's on. If you could sit there and watch at any point, you got your favorite players, you know, they're playing Madden, they're just crushing it, or you get the Kid Ninja who's just crushing Fortnite right now. And their viewership and their numbers are astronomical. There's a real business there, and it's all about attention. So everybody's got to figure that out. Every business, every mom and pop, every flower shop, every hair salon, they all have to figure that space out because it all it takes is time and a strategy on how to get clients and how to renew clients. Um, so sorry about that. Um, anyway, so let's go to a quick break, and then we'll talk about. Uh, we'll come up and we'll talk about Alabama, Ohio State, Michigan. We're gonna we're gonna talk a little college football when we return. 
All right, we're back. Seventy-four million. Nick Saban, the lifespan of his contract, or what's remaining on his contract. Um, Alabama and the machine. They could probably beat most NFL teams right now. What's your thoughts on that? Um, I would assume that, in their eyes, obviously, he's worth every penny, right? Because yep. how many people would care about Alabama without the football program? Yeah. So every time you talk about the program, and every time you say the name, you're just in tr- you're just increasing awareness of the university. Right. So to me, before him, and I know they have a long tradition and a long, I get it, but before him and this run they're on, uh, the average person, do they know Alabama football? Maybe if you're 65 and older. Correct. Right? Right. And that whole generation of, you know, the last, let's say, two decades, now... They're known as, if you ask them about Alabama football, they're most likely going to say, yeah, they're the best program in the country. Yeah. Right? Right. When they used to say, I think I know their colors, I'm not sure. Mm-hmm. Um, so where does that money trickle down, or where does it trickle to, that the football program makes the university probably every inch of that campus, right? Right. And his piece of that pie mm-hmm. is that big piece, or maybe it's not big in the grand scheme of things. I don't have the numbers. But I'll tell you one thing, his, his advertising every Saturday afternoon is worth its weight in gold for the school. No, without a doubt. Th- there's no question. Alumni relationships, it just trickles down and down and down. Yeah, so I feel like he's probably earning every cent. I, mm-hmm. I never say coaches are overpaid. Because ne- if they're not going to get paid, someone else is going to, right? So, right? so where's it going to go? Mm-hmm. It's the same argument with the, the professional athlete. Mm-hmm. So if you don't give it to... Don Mattingly, mm-hmm. you're just giving it to George Steinbrenner. I didn't pay my money to go see George Steinbrenner. Right. Right? <laughs> so I have no problem with the money they make. You know, it, guys like Saban, everybody at that level. Mm. Um, and quite honestly, I don't think anybody even thinks about it. Mm. Who watches the games and says, I can't believe this the, guy makes million dollars? <laughs> right. Yeah. I mean, who, who does that? As I, long as he's winning. Yeah. And, I mean, I would like to think that the people in place at Alabama are smart enough to know that, listen, this guy's driving the train for our institution, and if we want, let's just, I'm using this as a hypothetical, if we want our um, business department to get the resources it needs, mm-hmm. well, guess what, guys? You gotta win. We, football's probably gonna be the, the resource for that. Right. As crazy as that sounds. Yeah, I know. That that engineer li- engineering library that we really want... That's not as high profile. Nick has to beat, you know, yeah. USC, and we'll get it. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? He wins the national championship. You're going to get it. And I'm sure that's, you know, all plays in, right? Mm-hmm. And listen, he's bringing probably, if he's making 74 left on the deal, mm-hmm. I'd love to try to quantify how much he's going to bring into the school during that time. Because yeah. it's got to be a fraction. That 74 has got to be a, a fraction. fraction. Right. Because they wouldn't pay him at that. <laughs> right. Right? So where else did he, he... LSU, he won a national championship there as well, didn't he? I believe. Yeah. I believe he won a national championship at LSU. He was... Uh, he, all roads lead to Belichick, right? He yep. was a Belichick... Uh, That's right. D.C. in Cleveland, right? Yep. Yeah. Then he went to Michigan State. Right. That's from there, right? Mm-hmm. Then Miami? He was with the Dolphins. Didn't have a success Didn't there. Didn't go well. No. And then, then, I, then I think he went to LSU. 
I th- you might be right. Yeah, and I think he won a national championship at LSU. Yeah, and then a year or two later, he jumped over. Yeah, I think a year or two later, he jumped over. So let's talk about a couple guys in a hot seat. You got Ohio, Ohio State, Michigan. Um, you know, you got those two guys there that, uh, you know, is one of them gone if they don't win that game? Uh, I mean, Ken Urban Meyer, uh, is he – talk about a, a year that's been – Nothing but chaos, right? Right. Every year for them at that level, mm-hmm. and for all of us who coach college athletics, but especially that that BCS level, the expectations, all those things. Right. You throw in the sidebar of you know the other issues there. Um. I don't know. I feel like if they were going to do something, they mm-hmm. had an opportunity. You know, it just goes to show you it's about the winning, right? Because he's not going to get. He he got his suspension for the other issue, which is a big one in my mind. Huge. Right? But the axe will fall if mm-hmm. what? They don't win. Right. So anybody tells you it's about anything else is nuts. Right. You can't tell me that. So I, I, both of them might be in a similar spot. If you're Michigan mm-hmm. and you've been trying to mm-hmm. get this thing right since Desmond Howard graduated, Right. That's how long right. it's been. Right. And now Harbaugh's not the answer. Mm-hmm. Where are you going to go? Right. Where are you going to go? You a fan of Harbaugh? Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I think he's a guy that I don't think he's that much different than the other guys yeah. at that level. Mm-hmm. I think he came to the party. You know, he was the new guy on the block after being the successful NFL guy. I mean, how many successful NFL coaches went back? And coached big time college football. Oh, I was that's, trying a, to, that's a great question. Trying to remember that, like you, you know, you, you come you, right away. People have a chip on their shoulder towards you. I would think. Right. And then he, you know, then he sleeps over his recruits' houses <laughs> and does the things that. Right. But he, I, there's one thing he understands yeah. in my mind. Yeah. It's you gotta be. You gotta stand out. You yeah. have to. How am I gonna get a kid to mm-hmm. pick between us, Alabama, Notre Dame, Ohio State? Name them. Right. How am I going to get him? So, if if it's not him, who is it? Right. I mean, they're going to Rome. They're going to spring practice yeah. on IMG Academy. Yeah. I I thought it was brilliant. He's not he's not unlike no. what Pete Carroll was doing at USC. Yeah. When Snoop Dogg was coming to practice. That's right. And when 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 Will Ferrell was <laughs> you know he, he used his environment. He was in L.A. Right. And people said this guy's nuts. What's he doing? Mm-hmm. Now, I mean, all the other ancillary things that were going on there that came out, mm-hmm. that, that's happening everywhere. Let's let's right. stop with that. Right. But he used that environment, I think, very well. Yeah. His surroundings. Right. It was it was it was built in there. Michigan hasn't been good enough for a long time. Mm-hmm. You know, it was was it Rich Rodriguez mm-hmm. and name the others. I mean, so to me, they it has to work <laughs> with him because where are you going to go? Where are you going to go? If, if, if he doesn't, the resources you pumped into him, I don't know if they get rid of him. I don't know if he, how many years does he have left? Do you know? No. It no, has to I be don't. a decent stretch left because this is only what, year four? Four, maybe. Yeah. Again, if not him, it's like, where do you turn to next? He, he's got the kids. He definitely has the kids. They got the number one defense in the country right yes. now. Does he have the quarterback? Oh, yeah. Oh. Yeah. That's the key. I yeah. always come back. I simplify football very, very, very easily in my mind. Without, yeah, you can't win without a QB. 
And even I'm not even talking about a guy that's going to go play in the NFL and be Tom Brady. Right. Right? Because think of the teams that are winning national championships. Yeah. Think of Tim Tebow. Think of, you know, keep going. Yeah. What about the, how many Alabama quarterbacks are going to be all pro in the NFL? Right. You just need the guy that works for your system. Mm-hmm. And I don't know. I, I don't know enough, mm-hmm. but I do know that there were questions about how good the guys he brought in at that position were. Mm-hmm. That I was just hearing on TV or whatever, you know, sports talk. But, I mean, the guy raises the profile of your your program regardless. You know, his last name's Harbaugh. Right. And he was a successful NFL coach. How many guys can say that? Right. And he's a Michigan guy? Well, right. Which is probably, at the end of the day, I mean, Mm. besides the fact, I mean, the San Fran thing was at its wit's end, right? He was done with the GM. Right. Now you got an alum mm-hmm. who, like I said, had success at the highest level. Uh, where do you go? I think all these guys now, though, honestly, other than other than other than Alabama and other than Saban, they all have a shelf life. Yeah, all these programs are trying to. They're chasing the same program. Mm-hmm. It's kind of like the Pats in the NFL. Right. That's what Alabama is. It's the bar. That's the bar, and mm-hmm. they all have a shelf life. They all. You either you either get it done or you don't. Right. And. I don't know. I, it's very, very. It seems like it's just to me now too with the structure. Y- your your fate is in your own hands for sure. Mm-hmm. But at the end of the day, too, it's about the committee, right? When they get down to that final four, mm-hmm. if you're on that bubble, you're in their hands. What's your thoughts on um, college playoffs? You think it's too light right now, or do you think the the system works, or would you like to see a full sixteen team tournament? Or an I 18. just don't know how you would do it. Yeah, you're going to be playing till June. Yeah, <laughs> if you try that, right? How Last you, game spring ball. Yeah, how do you do that? You don't back it up a little bit, so you, your conference championship winners or you, Maybe. they got the automatic bid, and then you have kind of like the final four is kind of you know you could slide in an LSU, you could slide in a Clemson well, if they don't win it. Well, let me ask you this: yeah. since they started it, yeah, how many teams? Can we honestly say got a raw deal? I, it just depends on if you're a fan of those teams. Okay, you know, right? right. So let's take that out. I'm so, not a fan <clears throat> of any of them. Well, how about Central Florida? They self-proclaimed well, they national champion, right? <laughs> 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 Didn't they? Right. And they're going to say it this year too. You know, but you can only play Toledo so many times. Well, yeah. I mean, that's and Memphis and. I, in my opinion, there's no good. There's no good way. There, you don't think so? You there's don't. No you, you don't think folding in some of those seventy-five bowl games, leading into it. I mean, they're still playing the game. What, like the second week of January? Yeah. Oh yeah. So they're playing it that Monday night, which I think is a mistake. Yes. On the second week of January. Jan- yeah. So NFL's done. They're trying to fill that slot. But I still think it loses a little bit of luster. You're kind. Of, it's almost an afterthought sometimes. You know, I feel that way too. I do. I just like, oh shoot, there's yeah. a game Monday night. Oh, there's a national championship game, and it, and it's on late, and it's yeah, just. No, I feel that way too. If it's not like New Year's Day, it, you're right. I don't really. I, there just has to be a way behind it. I'd love to be a fly in the wall and sit in on those discussions. So you're saying take all the bowl games? Yeah. No, the key ones, the ones now that they're kind of rotating. Okay. Right. So you you could you could say. You could arguably say there's eight bowl games, so you're, there's your 16 right there yep. that, that you could fit into a playoff system. Okay. Right? Yeah. So, I mean, it's a lot more football for the kids. Yeah. Th- that's that's the tough part. Are but you can't... Are, ar- they, are they ever under consideration? For no, never. Never. <laughs> no. But 
But you, you can, tell my stance on Quincy Lowry. Right, right. right. But you could argue, you know, their, their argument is the kids are going to miss class, but class ends, what, the 20th. So now they got a whole month, a lot of them. they got a whole month, at least four of the teams have, to play in, right? They, they, uh, to yeah. practice and get prepared for, for those games. So well, realistically, I, I, though, Rob, the last two teams are doing that every year. Every year, right. That they're in it. So Alabama is doing that every year. Right. Right? Right. Notre Dame's going to do it. They're all going to do it. I'm sure they have just as many guys on the Dean's list as they always do. Exactly. It's so, n- so take that part of it out. Yep. Basketball, those kids are traveling all right. the time, yep. right? They're, they're going for a long season. Yep. I don't see it. I, there has to be something where they're – I don't know. I don't know other than, you know, there's some economic difference in – I don't – I can't figure out or whether they're locked into those bowl games for some crazy reason. Well, you just said it. Yeah. Economics. Well, yeah. That's going to control everything. But, but could but could you imagine? Could you imagine in a 16 team elimination playoff? format? Anybody going? You could catch anybody at the end. Sometimes you get that you would know. that would increase definite in my mind interest. Yeah. Outside of the diehard fan of the, of a certain school. Right. Right. Because you're going to watch Michigan if you're a Michigan fan. Right. And you're you know? going to bet on those games. Yeah. Well, that's yeah. Right. That would be. The the tournament style, yeah, I think it would be great. Yeah, but what? So so not to not to, I, I guess I, I guess I am going to switch gears for a second. Gurley taking a knee or, or falling down at the end of the game, he threw off the spread. Um, you know him not scoring. I think they were a plus eight. Um, didn't cover the spread. Everybody's like, this is crap. The NFL is definitely fixed. What? Are you familiar with that play at the sure. end of the game? Yes. What's your thought about that? I I. What's your thought? So, I stump- I'm, I, I'm, I'm, I'm just going to play this out. So, yeah. I'm, I'm going to believe that Todd Gurley, yeah. A, knew the spread, yeah. and B, was either on his own or instructed to take a knee there because he knew what it would imply in terms of the betting aspect of the game. So, that that's your initial reaction? That, that number one. Yeah. So... Either you're telling me somebody got to him, yeah, or he knows enough about the spread himself. Right. Either one's not a good thing. Right. I, oh, fantasy points. There was a lot, sure. right? So everybody, you know, you could you could talk about that for a long time. However, he scores. Yeah. Right. He's got what? There was a minute something left on the clock. Yep. yep. You still got time. You still got time to score and for you're gonna have to uh, yeah. two point conversion. Two, yeah. But there's there's a shot. There's a shot. So him, I don't know how many times you're in that you're in that position. You're like just lay on the ball because you don't want them to get the ball back. I don't I don't know. I don't think I I, I just there's I believe that they that discussion never came up. You know, I coaches don't think that way. They could give two shits about it. They're just thinking about how am I going to win this game? Don't score. Too much I time think, left on you. I agree with you. Yeah, I think it was a clock draining move. Yep. I think, though, that these are the things that pop up mm-hmm. nowadays because the sports gambling thing is, is part of it. as big as it is now, especially right. with the new laws being passed and it, right. on top of fantasy, right. on top of all those ancillary things. Right. In the past, this would have been a 30-second conversation. Oh, he knelt, he, he knelt down, drew, you, know, you wind the clock down, great move. Yeah. Now it's, well, wait a minute. Did he know what the spread was? Did, mm. you, you know, his head coach? Come on. How long? 
how long before you think um, sports books are going to be in stadiums where you could go to the game, you get your beer, you get your hot dog, and oh, by the way, I'm going to throw 100 bucks down? I think that we are getting fully getting in bed with the the sports wagering. Yeah. Um, and in doing that, it's only a matter of time. That's Why wouldn't you? That's what... Why wouldn't you have that? International soccer, that's part of it, right? It, you it's go to a soccer game, it. it's the lifeblood of it. But that's not yeah. just part of it. It, yeah. it drives that economy. Right. The sports economy. Right. So, uh, listen, if, if it, like everything else, it only takes one stadium to do it. Yeah. And it's going to be in every stadium. I thought I just read that the uh, it's either hockey or bass, uh, maybe out in Vegas, maybe they added a sports book at the Knights games. Oh, maybe. <laughs> but how can you open up a franchise in Vegas? What do you think's going to happen? Right, exactly. Surprise. Right. Yeah. Right. Of course they did. But Why wouldn't they? Brilliant move. Of I would it is. love to go to. I mean, I like hockey to begin with. Yeah. But now I got I got some skin in the game. But now I think that you know you're getting into the moral compass of you know what you want our society to be and yeah. blah blah blah. Right. But at the end of the day. The decision makers have a chance to make money. They're going to make money. Everybody's making money, but that's all right. And their their thing is, well, you know, it's it's a free country, and if yeah. the law says it's okay, you just have to do it responsibly. Right. Not everybody can do that. Right. Not everybody has that capability. Yeah. Um. I think it's going to become a a a cemented part of our sports experience on the professional level moving forward for sure. Mm-hmm. In every in every sport. Right. So it's going to be like you, you're, what you're doing is taking the track, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, the horse track, right. and putting it in every stadium. Right. That's when everyone becomes OTB now. Right. <laughs> but listen, Rob, you know as well as I do, yeah. the people that want to bet are betting anyway. Anyways. Yeah. And now you're going to drag in the, the casual guy that wants to put 100 bucks down on the game he's currently at. Right. And he doesn't have to go to a guy who may or may not right. collect <laughs> in certain methods. Right. <laughs> you know, like. Yeah. The one thing I'll say about this whole thing, I was having this conversation with someone about, they said, oh, this is crazy with all the, the, the legalized sports wagering. As I told them, the same thing. People who want to bet on these things are going to. Yeah. The only difference, the only, in my mind, the good part about this, this business isn't built on quote-unquote credit. So if you go to a bookmaker, you lay down a wager on a game, you know, you're not paying him there. Right. You're on credit. And then he collects, or you collect from them. More more often than not, he right. collects from you. Yeah. And that can get dicey. Yeah. This is money in pocket. The money I have on me, right. physically, I put, I slap it down, and it's done. There's no, this is not a credit business. And that's where people get jammed up. Mm-hmm. When it's funny money, and it doesn't really matter yet. Right. And then they go on a bad run. Right. And then they try to dig themselves out. Right. Then that number becomes huge. They get divorced. Or worse. Or worse, they lose their house. And this yeah. is here's a hundred bucks. I slide it through the window. Right. I get my betting slip. I go watch the game. And it adds. It definitely adds a different flavor to the game. Hundred percent. Right. It, you're, it you're, becomes you become emotionally invested. You do of any two teams on the planet. Right. That are that are playing. You know, like that. That is a fact. Fact. Mm-hmm. You will pay attention more. Mm-hmm. Right. Right. So, and again, I hate to say it. It's safe. Like that is, it's not safe if you have an issue with it, mm-hmm. if you have that genetic wiring, but it's safe in a sense of I can only bet what I have. Right. When you start betting what you don't have, that's where these people get into these issues. That's where you have the trouble. Yeah. And 
you know, I, I also heard someone told when, when, when it all became legal in a lot of states, oh, the bookies, they're going to revolt. They're going to go nuts. And I said, no, they're not. Because the guy that still doesn't have the money in his pocket <laughs> is still going to bet every week. Right. And he can't go do it legally. Right. Because it's not a credit business. Right. They don't make their money hand to, they don't make their money hand to hand that day. They make their money every Friday mm. or every Saturday mm. or whatever it is. Right. And I, I know I sound like I know, I have a lot of experience and detail with this. This is not something I do. Right. I just know. But it, you don't, you don't, that's not a credit business when you do it legally, when you do it in Vegas, when you right. do it in Atlantic City now right. or Delaware or mm. wherever. Put it in Yankee Stadium. Put it in Giant Stadium. Mm. Put it at Foxborough. Why wouldn't they? If the teams could benefit from it from a cash flow standpoint. Oh my god. You know the NFL is going to come looking for their piece and everybody. I you know the thing I like about uh, NBA and what Silver's done about it. Number 1, um I think I never was really that interested in the NBA before and and it didn't have to do with a player from my perspective. It always it had to do with their transparency, their honesty. They weren't hiding behind anything. No. You know, um, I just, you know, for me, it's the last two minutes. I think for a lot of people, last two minutes of the NBA game is always the most exciting. Um, but I think the storylines of the players are very intriguing. You don't see players getting in a lot of trouble. Um, and I think from a diversity standpoint, I applaud them for pushing and not walking away from the WNBA yep. when they've never made a dollar on that. I would assume they never made a dollar on, at least when I've dealt with them. Um, it was something that they could not. They you can't scream diversity and inclusion, and then oh by the way we're not making money, so we're going to close <laughs> yeah, this closing. down. If that if that was the case, then every women's college program would be closed down, probably with the exception of UConn women's basketball. Right. But that's still probably debatable. Right. So um, that's why I like the business model of the W uh, of the NBA and what Adam Silver is doing right there. And they took the lead on gambling. They're yeah. the first ones to publicly come out and say it. Yep. You know, not like, you know, the NFL where they, <coughs> they're they hiding behind <coughs> politics and, you know, so. They're all just waiting. Everyone in those, in my mind, those situations. Yeah. You're just waiting for the first person to say, it. we'll do it. It's okay. Right. Because no one cares about the second and the third and no. the fourth. So I have to believe somewhere in NFL headquarters, someone's going, can somebody please just say we'll do this? Make a decision. So right. So we can jump on. Right. Because if we're the second Right. No one's going to care. Right. You know, I'm surprised. I'm surprised that NBA hasn't put a team in Vegas. I know. You know, that's that's it's coming. Yeah. You know, yeah. I thought with their summer league out there, I thought that was going to be the first step to it. Right. But they got to have door. something that's coming behind it. And what what team would you relocate there? Or would you put another team in? Uh, You'd probably have to reloc- relocate. You'd have to bring someone New there. New Orleans or. Yeah, I mean they would. Let's scrape the bottom of the barrel right, right. now and and yeah. rejuvenate them. Yeah, right. I mean that's what you're doing. You're moving, and it can't be a team with tradition. It can't be an old franchise. Right. So, let's. How great is the Super Bowl going to be when it's in Vegas? Because <laughs> they're gonna, that's part of the deal. They get a stadium, right. right, and then they have yep. like a five year or there's a window there that they're guaranteed. It's built into it. You want to talk about having a curfew? Oh. You better. I think that's sixty-five thousand dollar. That would be a afternoon by the pool for no, the that, Jaguars. That, 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 that's stretching. <laughs> that's stretching. The, the Jaguars will run up six point five million. Well, that, before you blink. No. Yeah. That, so that would be. I think. Listen, the Super Bowl, Vegas during the Super Bowl, in mm. itself. Right now, it's great. It's yeah. Now you add the stadium with the game. Yeah. 
you know, you, you, you talk about gasoline on a fire. That's uh, that market is. I, I hate to say the word sleeper because everybody has a, a preconceived notion of it, which yeah, but it's untapped. Which which the majority of it is true. Yeah, but it's yeah. untapped. I, I just used to. I think I told you I used to you know take that that Burbank like the three o'clock from on a Friday afternoon from Burbank to Vegas and then yeah. up to uh, Albany, and on that plane I was just praying that you know there is so much just. There's every nitwit from L.A. on this flight, and I'm included in that, <laughs> right? right? Everybody who's, you know, either playing in a, you know, they all got their guitars, and they're all, you know, it's David Spade, it's Ron Jerry. They're all on these flights. Right. And uh, you're going into, you know, it's it's purg. I always say it's God's purg. It's a waiting room. It's God's way. It's purgatory. That, it, But that's not necessarily true on Vegas anymore. You know, no. I, 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 I don't, yeah. I, I don't, you know, you have your you have your perception of what it is, but um, with the pro sports going into that market now, complete game changer. Well, the other the, the, the <coughs> idea of Las Vegas itself. Yeah. You talk to a guy that was there in the seventies, eighties, yeah, even nineties. Mm-hmm. It was about one thing and one thing only. You're right. It was a gambler's paradise. Mm-hmm. You talk to people now. Yeah. From that era, and they don't even recognize it. Yeah. It's a resort town now. Mm-hmm. It really is. I mean. It's a family-orientated resort town, right? In in my estimation, mm-hmm. you know, everything out there used to be so well hidden, real estate, everything, and then all of a sudden, you know, it boomed. Yeah, it, I mean, the bubble burst in the real estate market, and they they got hit hard. They got hit hard. They got hit hard. Florida got hit hard. But yep. th- what it did is it just did an audit on the market, so it flattened it back out where it should have been, anyways. Right. And then with that audit became came growth because opportunity came and it made it more realistic for people to build there again. Right. And to live there again, and um, it's not just not as taboo as it used to be. No, you know it used to be the uh, yeah organized crime run hotels that right. you know degenerate gamblers used to hang out in, mm-hmm. and you'd go watch some guy who thinks he's Elvis, right? The, and that is a great picture, yeah, because that's what I grew up thinking Vegas right. was. There's a lot of like nostalgia to that, but that is not what it is. You just go there for the restaurants, <laughs> right? And, honestly, you could. Yeah, you honestly could. But it's it's it is becoming. They've made it so that it's not just, you know, let's call it what it is: a bunch of seventy-five-year-old right people going there playing slot machines, right? And, and craps and blackjack and roulette. And now it is a family destination in a lot of ways. And they're velour sweatsuits, right? Right. A lot of my relatives have those sweatsuits. I'm sure. So, but <laughs> I, I don't think that there's anything wrong with that. It was no. a it was untapped for that market, and then once the hotels started becoming newer. And, 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 you know, the old school, you know, the, the golden nuggets of the world and those hotels that were always there, you know, kind of got pushed to the side. Mm-hmm. And f- that whole Fremont area got was, was very, very much a dinosaur. Vegas spawned into, like I said, a destination. And then it was the place you went to for every bachelor party and bachelorette party. You tell to find me four women in the 70s that want to go to Vegas right. for, their, for their bachelorette party. <laughs> right. Yeah. Find them. I'd love to meet them. <laughs> it just wasn't a thing. You didn't go there unless you smoked cigarettes, had a bad haircut, and you know were willing to wager your life on the roll of a dice. Now, you don't. I know people that go there don't gamble. Think about it. I mean that. They who go for the, the shows. Ever would have done that? Right. But, now, now, if you could go out there for, just talk about a sports weekend. You could go out there. And go to a Raiders game if your oh, team's in town. Yeah. You could go. You could see the Knights play. Yeah. Right. Yep. Um, in and good if it, weather. In good weather. 
in December yep. or January. 100%. And it's on. 100%. Yeah. And you can have everything in walking distance, great restaurants, great hotels that are reasonably priced. And you can literally do anything you can think of, you can pretty much f- do there. Yeah. You can find it. You're right. There's not too many places like that. No. It's like a massive cruise ship. Yeah. It's a cruise ship. Sand. It's a cruise ship in the sand. That's not, you know, not moving. <laughs> I Yeah. And I listen, I don't know that it would have survived the other way Yeah. anymore. Because I think there have been too many distractions mm-hmm. from other outlets, other resorts, other... You know, the, the modern Vegas now, it's still a gambler's paradise. You can do whatever you want there in terms of wagering. Mm-hmm. But there's just so much more to do. Like my wife and I went there, and she's not a gambler at all, could care less. Doesn't She had a time of her life. We were there for four days, five five nights. We were there five nights. Wow. Which is a, good, a long stretch. That's a, Vegas, that's a long Vegas. A long stretch. That's like... Now it's might as well be in there a month. Well, it's a long stretch if you're there with the boys and right. you know you sleep ten minutes a day. I got you. This was just like a regular vacation. We probably spent, if I had to put a percentage on it, actually quote unquote gambling. I don't know, fifteen percent of the of the whole trip. Mm. And that's just her playing the wheel of fortune slot machine, like you know messing <laughs> around, like. It, it, because there was so many other things to do. Plus the fact she'd never been there before. So if you go there for the first time, you can spend two weeks just looking at everything and going right. to every hotel right? and, and you know, getting that experience. So I agree. It's still, sleepers probably is still the best word. It's untapped in a lot of ways. God forbid they put an NFL stadium there. Yeah. It's coming. Yeah. It's coming. Yeah. So... All right, let's take a quick break, and then we'll be right back to wrap it on up. I'm with Chris Solano. This is Rob Thompson, Sports Biz Podcast. This is the Monday Night Rant. <laughs> Monday Night, instead of Monday Night Raw. We- such a diverse topics of conversation here it's much more than just sports it spans the globe it, it, it spans the globe so you want to make a big announcement 
Oh, well, yeah, today was the announcement of uh, Kiss's final tour, so they say. Were you a, uh, a big Kiss fan growing up? Um, no. That being said, um, I'm actually a little too young for the whole Kiss army and um, that whole era of, of them. But the um, my introduction into uh, heavy metal music and hard rock, whatever you want to call it, um, which I'm really passionate about, um, actually came from my two older cousins, and they were in the, they were in the, that was their wheelhouse, you know, Kiss, late 70s, 80s Kiss, um, even mid 70s, really. Um, so I just remember liking bands, you know, like Motley Crue and um, bands like that, and then I remember vividly this day, I might have been, I don't even remember how old I was, I remember seeing in my cousin's room, the Kiss Alive double album, the big, you know, when albums had those big jackets and yeah. it was all about mm -hmm. the pictures and the artwork. And I just remember grabbing it, opening it up and going, who the hell are these guys? Mm -hmm. And yeah. then, you know, I, I um, enjoyed them, um, but they were, at my, when I was really into that whole scene, they were, the makeup was gone. Yeah. They were experimenting with disco and uh mm -hmm. for a little short short time yeah then they were doing um their music has always kind of been the same but the 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 that whole flair was kind of gone the, ma yeah. the makeup was off there mm -hmm. was infighting in the band blah mm -hmm. blah blah um but that being said they're a staple you know if you like the genre of music yeah they are what they are um long island guys yeah well right. yeah queens new york queens yeah right. yeah um, they're on the Mount Rushmore of, of heavy metal, yeah, right. so you have to kind of, um, long story short, yeah, I'm, I'm going to try my best. Um, it's kind of sad. There's a lot of these farewell tours for all the bands I love, like yeah. Motley Cruz was a couple years ago. Yeah. I went three times on oh that tour. Um, it, and it's, you know, the, it, you get to that age, you get to that point, right? Yeah. Like, and you know, unfortunately... And it's not easy right. performing and, and playing that style of music mm -hmm. as you go up the ladder, so to speak. Um, now, the marketing genius that is Kiss, yeah. I don't know that this will really be the last one. If it's not, I think it's it'd be a little upsetting because I think there's nothing wrong with bowing out when you can still do it. Mm. You know, I thought what Motley Crue did was very smart. They, they said, this is it. We're going to sign a, a contract. It says we can't perform... As Motley Crue ever again, this is it. And they weren't on top anymore by any means. I mean, what's on top these days anyway? Right. But they could still do it, mm. and they could still pull it off. And I think they got out at just the, before they became a lounge act, mm -hmm. it, which was smart. Now, Kiss is just that band where, I mean, God, anybody from probably 60 to 20 in that range knows them. Massive. And they'll draw. They're going to sell out every one of these shows. Right. By far. So. Gene Simmons, marketing genius. 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 I never, until the, that show came out. Oh, the uh, A&E, the, the reality show? Oh, my gosh. Just just watching him and how his mind works from a merchandising standpoint, a yeah. branding standpoint. The genius of, if we got to, you know, I mean, I, the hardcore fans knew it, but you got guys in makeup. So how can't you just re duplicate the makeup on someone else if one right. guy if you want to kick one guy out? Right. It's the same makeup. Right. What's it sounds but the it's, same? Right. Yeah, but they they cornered that market of 
they they kind of to me um they took it a couple steps further than like an Alice Cooper yep. or someone who had that theatrical piece yep and just made themselves like almost not human yeah like when I was a little when I was a kid when I was young I didn't know if they were human beings right <laughs> like I was I didn't still know still debatable I thought they were al- I'm like these guys are aliens right. this isn't real right like, this is unbelievable but they seeped into everything mm-hmm. from their own cartoon to comic books right to lunch boxes you can buy a kiss coffin yeah and be buried in it right so to me could you really yeah mm, oh yeah that's scary oh yeah that's what you know and but they what people don't realize about the record industry is you sign you think you just your band gets signed to a record deal and mm. you're living large yeah you're all set it's it's anything but that mm. because what happens is the record companies advance you money to make your albums mm. And they, they put you as a band in huge amounts of debt that, yeah. to record them. Right. And then you're always paying them back. And if you don't write the music, then you don't own the rights to the music. Well, well most bands, Rob. Right, they don't. They don't because yeah. it's in their first deal. They're never going to own their masters. They're right. never going to own, right. you know. So when, when Buick decides to use a Kiss song on one of their commercials, if you don't own those masters, right. you're not getting any of that money. No, plus when radio stations or, or Spotify or yeah. you know, Pandora's playing yep. your tunes, you only get a very small piece of that. Very small. And, and yeah. I think Kiss figured out, okay... We know our record contract is what it is. Mm-hmm. And you could make, back then you could make money selling albums. Mm-hmm. The real money came on the tours and it came on the merch. That's right. The merch is what they, they all made their money right. with. Licensing deals. With, yeah. uh, that was it. Right. If the t-shirts sell, we'll be okay. Yeah. If we fill the arenas and we, we have that part worked out with the gate, we'll be okay. Right. But here's the other thing. People don't realize you have a concert, right? You love seeing things explode, and you love seeing mm. the theatrics on stage, right? Guess who pays for that? Right. Every time something blows up behind Motley Crue, they, they pay, pay for, for it. it. Right. They're paying for everything. The pyrotechnics every night, right. they pay for. Mm-hmm. The, you know, all those things that you don't even think about. Right. You know, it's well, just a misconception that... There's so many different things that I want to talk about on that one, but when you look at the bands that have been around for the longest, the yep. Rolling Stones, yeah. even the Beatles... Um, I mean, U2, Dave Matthews Band, Kiss, they've Billy Joel. They've always had a really smart leader who understands the business of it. Yes. Right? Yes. And plus, they wrote their own music, too. Well, it, it, it all, the, 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 before we say anything, yeah. they all have talent. And 100%. I mean real talent. Real talent. Well, talent will, is always going to stand above. But these, this day and age, you don't need that. No. You need a look, yeah. and you need the right marketing. Right. And you can still be a quote unquote rock star, mm-hmm. but you may not have to sing a lick or be able to sing a lick. Yeah. Those guys, though, and, and Billy Joel's a perfect example. He went through it where his manager stole all his money. That's right. He went broke. Yeah. He went broke. What do you think the song Honesty is about? That's right. A lot of those guys went broke. Yeah. Uh, I mean, broke. Yeah, broke. And imagine that one. Mm hmm. So they've all been, a lot of them have been in that spot, mm-hmm. but the talent still plays out, right? right? He can still. It, don't, don't, I just hate to think, and I, I think it's true, that, that, that you'll never get those again. You're never going to get a Billy Joel again. You're just not. You're never going to get an Aerosmith again. You're never going to get a Rolling Stones. Music today is not, it, it's just not it's there. It's transactional. Correct. Yeah. 100%. Yeah. There's no emotion left in music either. It's mm-hmm. kind of stripped down to um, studio trick Studio layering. Do you see? I still, I still see country music 
kind of play in that. I see a lot of the, I see a lot of the demographic, especially female. Yeah, going over to because they're still they're still telling stories. Yeah, and you, they have a good niche, and they have a good niche. Right. Think about it. They're right? crossover. You have a built-in audience of a billion people, right. Who can relate to con- quote unquote country music, right? You know, the old joke used to be, if you can't really play or sing, be a country singer, <laughs> right? Right. But they have that audience, right? And you almost accept it right away. That's true. Like if you're a country singer, the country crowds love you. Yeah. But you got to be authentic. Like Correct. If you're not from, well, you can't be from Queens, New York, and say that you know you're a country singer. Yeah, that, these guys, these guys kill me that love country music. I, right. I'm a country fan. Same thing with rap. Uh, it's R and B and rap. It's the same thing. It's it's kind of you got to be authentic. Yeah, but it's easier. To, but but mm-hmm. it's easier to hide. I think in the R and B hip hop world, mm-hmm. if you're not, mm-hmm. it's pretty hard to hide that in country music. Mm-hmm. I think they sniff it out of you. Mm-hmm. You know, I think they, I, I, I think that, they do. That's true. You know, and I think Kid Rock, Eminem from Detroit. Yeah. You know, I guess that you know. Yeah. And they they're a crossover a little bit, especially sure. Kid Rock into country. Sure. I mean you Eminem, know? forget it. I mean he's you know yeah, he's the guy who ruled the the entire two thousands. Yeah, he destroyed everything. But he was pretty authentic. Right. He did, he he was he didn't paint the picture of being an impoverished kid from Eight Mile. He right. was. He was. And right. he did have a dysfunctional relationship with his mom right. and his wife, his ex-wife. Right. Those were all real. Right. You know, like the days of the gangster rapper who really wasn't right. pretending to be a gangbanger. Yeah. It's over. It's over. Th- that that stuff yeah. doesn't play the anymore. The market will tell you. Yeah. And they'll push back. Right. Yeah. Nowadays, that's why country, I think, still has that. They mm. have, you need a dedicated fan base. Yeah. You know, Dave Matthews, you brought him up, right? Yep. He's our version, or this generation's version of, like, the Grateful Dead. Yes. I mean, they call him Dead Matthews, right? Yeah. Because people will go to the, the lengths of the earth to see him. I went to Mexico. Right. Think about it. Yeah. So he has that niche, too. And let's not, he kind of, he went away for a little bit mainstream-wise. Yeah. But he had that, that underground college following, you know, um, that took on a life of its own, you know, and, and now... If that guy tours now, there's not an empty seat. Which he did. He came back this summer. Yeah. Which, you know, with, with they took a couple of years off, yep. and, and they got rid of the um, Boyd Tinsley, the violin player. Yep. And he went off the deep end. They got rid of him. They, they, they slide. This is how powerful they are. Then they slide in a piano player. They got rid of a major, major yeah. piece of that he band's was, music. Even But even visually he was. Visually, yeah. yeah. He was a yeah. monster up there, and... They brought in a, a, a piano player who was on, um, who was he, Ariana Grande. He yep. was on tour with her, and this guy comes in and adds a soul to it and just a t- super talented guy. They go on tour there, and, and it was funny because a lot of the passionate Dave Matthew fans would tell you, I mean, there's there's a difference, but they were like, Boyd was a, was a cancer in their dressing room and on tour with them. Like, yep. he was just mailing in concerts, like, just up there, and that's it. He'd just stand there the rest of the time. And uh, these guys said this past tour, it's just they were just re-energized. So not any different than a sports team. One guy could throw everything 100%. off. 100%. And uh, so they decided to go on tour this winter, extend it into the spring European tour, and they're probably going to come back out again this summer. Yeah, they're in Connecticut. Uh, yeah, a couple times, I think. For sure, I think yeah. in June, yeah, they, July. They, yeah, they, they're going to come through again. Isn't it funny how the misconception is always that if you, everyone in bands, like, is in love with each other. Everyone gets along so well. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, Fleetwood Mac made a career of having turmoil. Right. In their band. Yeah. If Lindsey Buckingham and, and, and Stevie Nicks didn't have that, that conflict, and then, you know, 
she got involved with, you know, Mick Fleetwood. Right. If that stuff didn't happen, yeah. those songs aren't written. Right. It's true. I mean, that, let's just call it what it is. Yeah. And I don't know. I think sometimes you need that. Look at Garth Brooks. Yeah. Oh, right? God. Yeah. Love yeah. the guy. And that came out, obviously. How about Garth Brooks? He was a, what? He was a minor league baseball player. Yeah. So how, how talented do you have to be? Right? Just incredible amounts of talent. I think he made the right decision. Yeah, he probably did. Because that... Fourteen hundred bucks a month playing minor league baseball compared right. to the fourteen million a month when mm. he's going good. He wasn't running up sixty five thousand dollars of uh, no, that we know of. Uh, that we know of. He was doing a lot of things that we knew of for a while, <laughs> and now you know. But I, I don't. I really. I mean, I just. I just the music industry. I could talk for hours upon hours about yeah, how. Yeah, I love it. It, but it's it's a completely changed mm-hmm. thing. Right. Right. I mean, completely changed thing. I just feel bad for this generation. Like, I have a son. He'll never go to a record store. Yeah. And and open up and, and get to open it up. And, right. and, I mean, I remember waiting, yeah. knowing, like, when the new, you know, Megadeth album was coming out. Like, the date. Right. And waiting. Right. And being like, oh, my God, three more days. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like, three more days, they leaked one song on the radio. Yeah. You know. It's true. And I can't wait to go get it. Yeah. And just putting it in for the first time. Yeah. And going, I don't know if I like this. And then three days later, going, this is the best album of all time. Because you listen to it, it over on you. and over yeah. again. Or like waiting online to get tickets, like Cinderella tickets. Right. With Poison. Right. Like that stuff just doesn't happen. Were you a Van Halen fan? Oh, yeah. 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 I, I was a... Oh, Van Halen to me, though, was always like that. They were like that um, that sideshow kind of carnival act. Yeah. Like you had some guy doing stuff on the guitar that I was and didn't deem possible. I was like, that's not possible. Unreal. And then you had a singer who was doing backflips and roundhouse kicks and couldn't sing a lick, but yeah. somehow was awesome. Looked the part. And listen, this, the recipe is simple. Mm-hmm. You have to be the guy that every guy wants to be like right. and every girl wants to be with. Yep. And that's what David Lee Roth was. Yeah, absolutely. He cannot sing any better than me, you, or anyone that walks in this room. However, you don't need to sing well to be a good front man. No. Right? As long as your band is incredible. And, and you, that band was incredible. And you can captivate. Still is. You, you, to take that microphone up front, yeah. you have to be a certain person. You're right. And they're not always the best singers. Axl Rose was probably the best in my estimation of a front man. Mm-hmm. His voice, let's say, was unique. No one would ever say Axl Rose is such a great singer. No. Best lead singer of my generation. I'm, I'll fight anybody on it. That's yeah. or front man, I should say. Yeah. Best front man. David Lee Roth, same way. Yeah. Vince Neil, awful. Yeah. But he's but for his band it worked. Right. And you know why he was in that band? Because every girl wanted to yep. be with him. Yep. And every so if they if the girls go to the shows, the right. guys go to the shows. Right. And if the guys go to the shows and they want to be like you it's on. There you have it. It's on. But they were ground they they that Eddie Van Halen yeah. was groundbreaking. That was groundbreaking. Yeah. Oh I can do two I can do five days on them. Yeah. Forget the whole idea with David Lee Roth. How about the fact he leaves, they bring in another singer, and they're just as big, if not bigger. Never happened. That has never happened ever again. Yeah. With Sammy Hagar, yeah. they made probably, it's, people would argue that they made better music. Did you like them with Sammy? To be honest, yeah. I, I grew up with the, the, the Hagar version. Yeah. Like that 5150 album came out when I was 12, like a six. But I knew of all the other stuff. Yeah. It was just, I didn't get to see it. Yeah. Like, I didn't get to see, Yeah, you know, but 
I mean, Hagar, he was a monster. He's a monster, but they weren't they weren't ever the same no. after that. You can only you can only you can only break ground once. Same thing with Journey. Yeah, well, same thing with Journey. That's you know. I, I'll say this: the guy's great. Yeah, Pinnell is great. Yeah. The guy sounds if if you couldn't find a better replacement for Steve Perry, let's be honest, you can't. But it's not Steve Perry. It's not Steve Perry. And whatever his whole issue was, yeah. I don't know. Nobody kind of knows. Well, I mean, you go from the Eagles to the Doobie Brothers, and all of those groups all had, for the most part, all had turmoil, especially the Eagles. You needed to. Well, yeah. if, if Dom, if Felder, yeah. you know, wasn't who he was, yep. you know, and didn't didn't have conflict, yep. you're right. They, would, they wouldn't. You need that. And then Led Zeppelin. That, wow. that one, I think, just crushed everybody. You know, because they were one of the greatest rock and roll bands ever. Uh, yeah, they star of still all time. Are. Yeah, of all time. But you know, again, how about the fact that you have a group like that, and then you lose a central figure, and you basically shut down your operation, and you are ne- you you don't even make music anymore, and you are still talked about. You're still popular, and you want to talk about a tour that would gross. Oh my gosh! Who knows how much? Oh, now I know. I know he doesn't want to do it. I know yeah. Plant doesn't want to do it. Yeah, and I don't know if it's because he doesn't know if he can sing the songs anymore. Because that that gets tough. Probably that's a pretty high register. Right. <laughs> but they got the son. Jason Bonham is. Yeah. You know, he's not his dad, but he's the the closest thing we have. He's unbelievable. Right. Can you imagine? Yeah. I mean, the Guns N' Roses tour. Do you know how much money they grossed? It was unbelievable. I spent, I don't even know if I, I, I don't even feel great about saying this. I saw them three times and probably combined three shows, good seats to all of them for the most part. Just on those three shows, on tickets, just on tickets, me personally, I spent probably $1,700. So think about it, right? I mean, and for years, everybody said, man, if you guys would just bury the hatchet mm-hmm. and, 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 and now... Talk about a cash cow. Fire. Cash cow. Yeah. I'll say this. They'd still deliver, though. Mm-hmm. They're Did unbelievable. They? It was unbelievable. It was unbelievable. Because one of the reasons I spent the money for the first one was I got to see if these guys can still do it. And they crushed it. It was unbelievable. Three and a half hours every night. Just destroying. Destroying. It was. It, it blew my mind. All three times. Blew my mind. Well, we could have our own new podcast, <laughs> <laughs> the music podcast. Oh, don't get me going. All right, brother. Good show tonight. Until next time, we're going to be off on next Tuesday. I'm away. And then we'll be back on uh, the, the week of the 13th, 12th, 13th, 14th. So we're around there. We'll probably bang out a couple shows. Uh, we have uh, Kirsten uh, Cyrus coming from Locker Room Talk. We'll probably have Mal come back. Um, depending on what we're going to talk about. But once again, thanks for listening. This is uh, Rob Thompson on behalf of Chris Solano and our sponsor, Game Plan U. Thanks for listening. Love sports? Dream of working in the sports industry? Game Plan U Career Workshops is a self-assessment and mentoring program for sports career seekers. 
Game Plan U is a 90-day program identifying your skills through a self-assessment and work one-on-one with a career coach to help you design a career roadmap. Go to sportsdreamjob.com to learn more about all the incredible resources and career support available at sportsdreamjob.com. We'll be right back. 